You're listening to community-supported radio, KVMR, FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino Placerville. For their support, we'd like to thank Nevada County Registrar of Voters announcing vote-by-mail ballots will be mailed out on October 5th. Online voter registration available at registertovote.ca.gov. The Registrar of Voters encourages participation in the democratic process by voting. Also, we'd like to thank HBE Rentals and Placer County's Equipment Rental and Supply Yard since 1994, serving homeowners and businesses with high-reach equipment, including aerial work platforms, scissors, and boom lifts. Information at gohbe.com. And Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, family-owned, operated, and argued over since 1980, making dozens of different craft beers with a commitment to sustainability from on-site farming to energy creation. Learn more at sierranevada.com. Next up, we're going to have a special report with Steve Baker and Pascal from Humanet, the latest information on the power outages that are likely to be hitting Nevada County this evening. And after that, we'll have NPR headlines and we'll have water news with Steve Baker and national native news and a commentary with Jim Hightower. Coming up at 6.30, we'll have this week's edition of Wings. That's the Women's International News Service. And at 7 o'clock, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. But first, that special report with Steve Baker and Pascal from Ubinet. And joining us on the line right now is Pascal from Ubinet. And Pascal, welcome back to KVMR today. And uh, uh, what's the current state of the PSPS that uh, is uh, causing all, all the commotion today? Public safety, power to say, shut off. Well, right now we are still in, oh, um, you know, we are in Schrodinger's land. Schrodinger's cat is dead. Schrodinger's cat is not dead. The Heisenberg uncertainty principle applies. It could be a black hole where nothing comes out. And that's what right now is happening with PG&E. Um, there has been no update uh, about is it going to happen, how big is it going to be, and what about, oh, Nevada City and Grass Valley. Um, There are indicators that maybe Grass Valley and Nevada City downtown might have power, but it hasn't been confirmed. So it is incredibly frustrating, once again, it's the uh it is sadly a continuation of PG&E's failure to communicate during these events uh they promised they would be the PSPSs would be what uh shorter smarter smaller and communication would be so much better and um now this some work needs to be done yeah now uh, right now yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say on 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 the PGA website, uh, mm-hmm. some uh, at least at least some businesses in downtown Nevada City are seeing a sign saying that their power would be off for four hours and they would get uh, um, reserve yeah. power. Yes, and and PGE at this time, amazingly enough, is not willing to confirm that. Yet it's on their so website. That, <laughs> yet is well, it. Yes, on the other hand, on their website is also a a blanket outage for Grass Valley and Nevada City. 
So which one is it going to be? Uh, it's, it, it is incredibly frustrating. And yes, it's the first one of 2020, but come on. I know that uh, Nevada County, uh, they, the OES and everyone there has been trying all day to push on their side. And, and well, now it's, um, uh, I'm sure KVMR got the same uh invite to PG&E's virtual briefing uh, on YouTube at 6 o'clock. Well, sorry, but if the power supposedly is going to go off any time between 9 p.m., that's a little short notice. I would say so. And so right now, the latest info is the same info that we had around, oh, what was it, 1, 2 o'clock with... Um, or oh, actually this morning, because it hasn't changed for Nevada County, that there will be a power outage and approximately 23,000 people will be affected. Now, if the um, backup power, uh, if that comes through, <laughs> that will, of course, reduce the the outage because then you have uh, Grass Valley and Nevada City. So uh, that will reduce the outage by quite a bit. But again, can't confirm. Okay. And one of the reasons why this is all happening again tonight is because uh, they're expecting gusts, uh, a wind event with gusts. uh, I saw the National Weather Service 30 to 35 miles an hour in Grass Valley, Nevada City, Chico, and Sacramento. Yeah. And uh, the the wind advisory is definitely has been sustained and actually... uh, I'm getting reports that uh, so it is starting to to blow a little bit. But again, uh, those basically it's between 10 p.m. and probably six six uh, a.m. when we're going to get the the strongest winds in this area. Okay. So that's uh, there's that, and now of course we have. there are uh, a few things that are. Meanwhile, there are. There's already wind on uh, the coast, and guess what? Highway 101 has just been closed in both directions in Mendocino County due to a new fire. So uh, that's quite the the Oak Fire. That's that has been going for oh, a couple hours only. And so there is definitely there is a. Um, the winds are picking up, and we will have this event. So it's, and again, it may not be blowing extremely hard here, but uh, the transmission lines coming up from the valley, and it blows hard there. We will suffer. Uh, but uh, seriously, the the red flag warning is in effect, and I don't know if if you have stepped foot outside recently, Steve, but. It is hot out there. It is hot. And then if we get these winds, uh, let me remind everybody that uh, that's how the uh, wind complex started. Yeah. It was it was uh, hot. It was dry. And then came the wind. And overnight, uh, we had the, uh, the Lobo fire and the McCourtney fire. And then, of course, all these the, the horrendous fires in the wine country. So... Um, while uh, we might be slightly uh, 
making grumpy jokes, uh, the red flag warning and the uh, wind advisory are by no means uh, jokes that please take them very seriously and stay aware. Um, if you want, you can tune in to PG&E's briefing at 6 o'clock. Uh, that's going to be, it's, I believe it's from 6 to 6.30, and uh, they will go over safety measures, and hopefully by then we will also hear what the exact situation is for Nevada County. Okay, well, very good. Pascal, I want to thank you very much for joining us here with this update. Okay, no problem. I suppose we will talk later. I bet we will. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye -bye. Bye Bye-bye. Live from NPR News, I'm Jack Spear. The two vice presidential contenders are campaigning in Wisconsin today to mark the Labor Day holiday. Democratic nominee Kamala Harris met with union workers, business owners, and the family of Jacob Blake, the black man shot in the back by police in Kenosha last month. And Chuck Kernbach of member station WWM reports Vice President Mike Pence was focusing on jobs. Vice President Pence spoke to employees of an electric utility in La Crosse. He said nearly half the jobs the U.S. lost during earlier stages of the coronavirus pandemic have come back. And that, that includes 200,000 Americans right here in the state of Wisconsin. So we're opening up America again. But Wisconsin Democrats respond that much of the earlier job loss could have been avoided if the Trump administration had a better plan to deal with COVID-19. Democrats also say some people going back to work in schools and other locations face potentially unsafe conditions. For NPR News, I'm Chuck Quirmbach in La Crosse, Wisconsin. More protests overnight and more arrests in Portland, Oregon, as police and demonstrators clashed. A fire started outside a police precinct in the city's north side, resulting in more arrests. Demonstrators were protesting police brutality and began marching shortly after 9 p.m. After demonstrators were warned if they entered the precinct property, they would be arrested. Some protesters began chanting, burn it down. Just after 10 p.m., a mattress was set on fire. Some of the protesters were then arrested. A wildfire burning west of Fort Collins, Colorado, grew significantly over the weekend to more than 89,000 acres. That fire only about 4% contained, but a cold front is bringing unseasonably cooler temperatures and snow in the forecast, and that could help firefighters. From member station KUNC, Desmond O'Boyle has the story. The Denver metro area north to Fort Collins is under an orange glow as pockets of ash flow through the air. The Cameron Peak fire started on August 13th. It's reached the northern tip of Rocky Mountain National Park. Paul Brukink, spokesman for the fire team, says the weather is going to help dampen the blaze, but it's not a season-ending event. We need a, a, a succession of these in a row to actually uh, put this thing out. Some areas could see a 70-degree temperature shift, and anywhere from 6 to 12 inches of snow is expected to fall over the fire. The Cameron Peak fire is now the seventh largest in Colorado's recorded history. For NPR News, I'm Desmond O'Boyle in Greeley, Colorado. As Congress returns to session this week, hope appears to be dimming for another coronavirus relief measure. Talks between Democrats and the Trump administration broke off last month with no sign they'll be resuming. Recent conversations between key players have so far failed to reignite discussion on a new aid package. The latest proposal was supposed to deliver another round of $1,200 stimulus checks to many Americans. You're listening to NPR News. Whether you have a mosquito bite or eczema, scientists say it is better to relieve an itch by rubbing it instead of scratching. And now NPR's Burley McCoy reports researchers in Florida say they may have discovered why. 
It's hard to resist the urge to scratch an itch, but scratching can damage skin, cause pain, and even make the itching worse. So why is rubbing a better alternative? To find out, researchers at the Miami Itch Center first injected histamine into the skin of sedated mice to trigger itchiness. Then they measured what happened in itch-related nerve cells when they tried to soothe that itching with rubbing. They found that rubbing blocked nerve cells from relaying an itch sensation to the brain, similar to what happens with scratching, but without the pain or skin damage. The study appears in the Journal of Neuroscience. For NPR News, I'm Berly McCoy. A British judge has rejected a request from lawyers for WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange to delay his extradition hearing until next year to give his counsel more time to respond to U.S. allegations he conspired with hackers to obtain classified information. The move comes as Assange was in a London courtroom seeking to thwart the effort by prosecutors to extradite him to the U.S. to stand trial on spying charges. The U.S. has indicted the 49-year-old Assange on 18 espionage and computer misuse charges over the publication of secret U.S. documents by WikiLeaks. Assange's lawyers maintain the prosecution amounts to a politically motivated abuse of power. Crude oil futures prices extended their drop on global markets today amid concerns about Saudi price cuts. Oil fell 70 cents a barrel to 39.07 a barrel. I'm Jack Spear, NPR News. And taking a look at the weather, first here in the Grass Valley, Nevada City area, it looks like we'll have a low of 71 tonight, high of 90 tomorrow. That's actually cooling, and it's going to be generally cooling temperatures throughout the week with pretty high winds um, coming up tomorrow. And in Sacramento, low of 75, high of 97, general cooling temperatures with highs down to 91 by Thursday and 24-mile-per-hour winds from 1 o'clock tomorrow as well. And in Truckee, low of 41, high of 67, cooling temperatures in the upper 70s throughout next week. This Water News with Steve Baker is supported by Clearwater and Filtration on Rough and Ready Highway, Grass Valley. Steve, it sounds like most of us are going to be experiencing um, a power shutoff uh, later today, scheduled for 9 o'clock tonight. Uh, What does this mean for everyone? Yeah, you know, we've been given that notice, too, uh, maybe two days without power. That's what that means for us. As far as what that means for me right now in this moment is I need to prepare. So I already tested my generator, made sure my car is full of fuel. Plus, I have about three to five gallons extra in containers that would uh, give me more gas for the generator. Uh, Setting up drinking water dispensers in the house. Uh, We've done that now. We even have one for dishwashing uh, you know, washing dishes. And uh, at our house, you cook with electricity. So when the power goes out, guess what? You're barbecuing. <laughs> so so we checked our propane levels. We're looking good there. These are the kinds of things that one does when we get the, uh, when the word goes out. Uh, we, we have a garbage can filled with water near our garage or side, side door, and that's for toilet flushes. Uh, for those of us who are on wells and no power and possibly uh, no water. So uh, these are the kinds of things we're thinking of. Make sure that generator runs your refrigerator, too. And uh, for if you, if you have a well and a holding tank, make sure that holding tank is full 
before the power goes out. So the, the whole drama, it's really happening because we don't want to inadvertently start a wildfire. And our wildfires, uh, I mean, our, our safety is uh, really very much dependent on our own behaviors and our own habits. It's just as important as safeguarding uh, against PG&E infrastructure from causing a fire. I, I realize that, Steve, but um, these blackouts are happening so much earlier this year and apparently with more frequency. Uh, what's that all about? Oh, it's climate change. Climate change is real. The uh, computer simulations, uh, virtually all of them, I mean, I mean so many of them, uh, they have projected that heat waves will become more frequent and also more severe. That's exactly what is happening now. Our uh, more specific conditions to, say, today and tomorrow is our temperatures are exceedingly high, higher and uh, above average, and our humidities are low, humidity is low, and there's potential for wind. And that's not a good combination when it comes to fires. We could easily uh, have a fire start up with an ignition. So these are the conditions we're in right now. Now, the, the normal climate for the western United States, geologically, has been a lot drier than our families have experienced during the last 150 years. So conditions are now going back to that old situation. It's just happening more quickly because of mankind. Mankind's enhanced this rebounding effect because of the, uh, the, uh, the um, gases that we've put into the atmosphere. And smoky, smoky, smoky days. I don't mean like smoky bars, but smoky days. Um, <laughs> right. uh, how does air quality, or when does it degrade to the point where it's unhealthy or even dangerous? Well, it's moderately bad right now. It's absolutely air quality is affected by these circumstances we're in. The National Academy of Sciences, they published a study that really predicts that we're going to have even more of these heat waves and stagnant weather conditions, and all of this stuff worsens the air quality. It's certainly happening in other parts of the world. I mean, China is one example. It's, uh, it's going to affect that, that entire country. So uh, in California, we, we have rising temperatures that are expected to worsen, and along with that will be the severity of wildfires. So so uh, when wildfires are happening, as, as you and I and all the listeners know, there's a lot more smoke in the air. That smoke isn't exactly the healthiest thing for us. We already have ozone issues under a normal year. Well, it used to be normal. So uh, we have these conditions compounded now. And uh, we are almost at this moment, I believe, 2 million acres burnt this season. And we're only now entering the main part of the fire season. So so really, it's a good idea to not only prepare for no electricity days, but also keep tabs on the air quality advisory days and avoid a lot of vigorous physical activity during these times. So as of right now, it's not a good idea to get on your mountain bike and cruise around. It's fun, but probably not the best thing for your body and your lungs. It's better to stay indoors. That's kind of too bad because in this uh, situation with... Uh the virus, COVID, COVID yeah. uh, going for walks with your friends and exercising outdoors is one of the things that really gave people a lot of pleasure and healthy pleasure, too. But that's even Oh, that's true. I mean, we're talking about vigorous physical activity. I mean, to go outside for a casual walk with friends uh, at a safe distance, I'm sure that that, that is fine. But uh, 
You just have to use common sense. It's just not particularly appealing in the smoky weather is what I'm getting No, at it's not. <laughs> uh, one more question, Steve. Uh, yeah. Uh, what is the most responsible condition uh, that's causing our, our current situation? You know, when you put it all together, that one condition is lack of water. It, it gets down to water again. Think about it. Water keeps the vegetation green, which minimizes fire. But what do we have? We have parched vegetation because there's a lack of water. Water in the air has has when has humidity that raises the resistance to fire ignition, right? What do we have right now? Well, we have low humidity, and that uh, enhances the potential for having wildfires. I mean, we all know it's a no-brainer that uh, we, we all need water every day for eating, cooking, sanitation, protection against fire, all this stuff. And so that never goes away. And then there's this nexus between water and power. And we're, we, find, we will find that out today at 9 o'clock if that's when they turn off the power. No power, no well pumping, and no well pumping, no water for the house. So no showers, no, no nothing. <laughs> so we surely know the value of water when we don't have much of it around. And uh, you have a couple more hours out there, everybody. So prepare for this power shutoff if, if it actually happens and set yourself up nicely. Because with a little preparation, and we've been given a couple of days to prepare, uh, the next couple of days where we might not have power will really be a walk in the park because we're prepared. There's an old saying, um, common in blues songs, you don't miss your water till your well runs dry. Steve, thank you so much. You bet. Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. And you can email him with your questions at stevebaker at operationunite.co. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The four Pec Assiniboine and Sioux tribes in Montana recently completed a large intertribal transfer of bison. Wyoming Public Radio Savannah Marr reports. The 40 buffalo were rounded up into semi-trailers in Wolf Point, Montana. They're headed to new homes with 16 different tribes as far away as the Oneida Nation in Wisconsin and the Aleutic tribe of Old Harbor in Alaska. Irvin Carlson is president of the Intertribal Buffalo Council, which facilitated the transfer. He says the animals were part of a surplus population at Yellowstone National Park and would otherwise have been slaughtered. So today, you know, is real um, gratifying just to be able to get some animals out of there and then out to chives. The buffalo spent a year in quarantine on the Fort Peck Reservation to ensure they're disease-free. Johnny Bear Cub Stiff Arm heads up the tribe's buffalo program. She says this transfer was a long time coming. We have a drum group out here, and they'll sing the prayer songs. They'll sing the songs to send the buffalo safely to their new homes, that they travel safe and receive blessings, and say goodbye to them for us, and we'll send them on their way. For National Native News, I'm Savannah Marr.
A new art degree program is being offered to students at the University of Alaska Southeast, which is part of a larger vision that's been in the works for years to establish a Northwest Coast arts hub. KTOO's Elizabeth Jenkins has more. The new degree program is a partnership between the University of Alaska Southeast, the Alaska Heritage Institute, and the Institute of American Indian Arts in Santa Fe, New Mexico. The agreements were signed a few years ago, but it's taken some time to line everything up. Kari Groven, the art director at Sea Alaska Heritage Institute, says there's a lot of room for growth. We're at a really great milestone now that it exists in the first place. The program is a two-year art degree with a focus on Northwest Coast Indigenous art. As part of the new program, students are required to take an intro course into relevant Native languages. Then, there are hands-on art classes to choose from. Some of the courses have been offered before by the university, and some are brand new. For instance, acclaimed weaver Lily Hope is teaching an online class about career development as an artist. Students enrolled in the program will have the option to transfer credits to the University of New Mexico if they want to pursue a bachelor's degree. Groovin thinks this kind of comprehensive academic offering is long overdue. She says many people are familiar with the region's formline design, but the associate's program is a way to gain a deeper understanding. In a way that associate's degree provides a starting point for that journey. With COVID-19, some of the courses will be offered online and some will still happen in person in accordance with the university's pandemic plan. And in the future, students will be able to experience some of these classes on a brand new campus. Sea Alaska Heritage has already started breaking ground on a 6,000 square foot facility in downtown Juneau. The campus is slated to be completed sometime next year. I'm Elizabeth Jenkins. Powwows are being held virtually this Labor Day due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The online social distance powwow Facebook group has been helping connect vendors, dancers, and singers for the last six months. Over the weekend, dancers took part in contests uploading their videos to be judged and win prizes. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Center for Indigenous Cancer Research at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center, dedicated to cancer research, medicine, and cancer care for indigenous populations. A no-charge online risk assessment tool is available at roswellpark.org slash assessme. As an American Indian or Alaska Native, you help elders, young people, and Native businesses when you exercise your right to vote November 3rd. Your vote makes a difference in Washington, D.C. and at home. Go to nativenews.net for more information. Brought to you by the Carnegie Corporation of New York. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. You're listening to community-supported radio, KVMR, FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino Placerville, and this is the Monday edition of KVMR's Evening News. KVMR's news program airs Monday through Friday, 6 to 6.30 p.m. Coming up at 6.30 this evening, we have this week's edition of Wings, and at 7 o'clock, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Closing out today's newscast, we have Jim Hightower with a commentary. With our national election looming, someone should put up lost dog signs in every neighborhood saying, Missing, 
Republican Party platform. Voters won't find one, though, for this so-called major political party has decided not to produce a specific statement of what it stands for this year, nor will it offer to voters an itemized set of policies its public officials would try to enact if elected. Indeed, the GOP hierarchy is so disdainful of the electorate that it says the party will not present a platform until 2024. Yes, four years after the election. They've even imposed their policy silence on their own grassroots delegates, decreeing that any attempt by them to adopt new platform proposals at the National Republican Convention would be, quote, ruled out of order. Instead of a political party, the GOP of 2020 has become a pathetic puppet show of weakling officials and sycophantic subordinates being jerked around by the maniacal whims of a bloated ego with despotic fantasies. Thus, the once respectable Republican National Committee has meekly ceded its authority, duty, respect, and relevance to a single unhinged authoritarian. In essence, they're saying that the platform and the party itself is one word, Trump. Whatever poppycock the glorious leader utters today, whomever he attacks tomorrow, whichever fantastical conspiracy he embraces next week, the GOP will applaud, bow, and in unison reply, Amen! Sad. Republican senators, governors, captains of industry, elders, and others who once had power, prominence, some prestige, and maybe even a little pride, now meekly wear Trump's collar and kowtow to his conceits, leaving an entire party with the sole operating principle, what he said. This is Jim Hightower saying, that's not a party, it's a national embarrassment. Hightower's commentaries are brought to you by the Hightower Lowdown, the monthly newsletter with Hightower's take on what Wall Street and Washington are up to. For information, visit HightowerLowdown.org. Well, that's our newscast for this evening. KVMR's evening news airs Monday through Friday, 6 to 6.30 p.m. Coming up next, we have this week's edition of Wings. That's the Women's International News Service. And at 7 o'clock, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening, folks, and have a great evening.